Good evening, chaps. Evening. Good evening. Good evening. Evening, and a welcome to our guest, Mr. Entwistle. Peter, how are you, sir? Good evening. Are you well? I'm well, thank you very much, yes. Good, good, good. So what are you working on? What's on your hobby desk at the moment, Pete? At the moment, Yorkists for my War of the Roses army. Hurrah! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Will that get you into trouble, since you're based in deepest Lancashire? Uh, well, no, I'm, I'm half Yorkshire anyway, because my mother was York, uh, you're born in Yorkshire. Oh, for right. Lancastrian, so I've, I'm in both camps. So you're sort of Tudor. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Both roses. So filth, absolute filth. And, and Richard, same joke every podcast. What are you basing at the moment? Uh, well, as it happens, Wars of the Roses. Oh, <laughs> for, for the Society of Ancients Battle Day, no less. Uh, is that the one that it, I volunteered to help at? It is, yes. The Battle of Bosworth. Oh, brilliant. Being held in Shorehouse in Newbury in the summer. Look it up on the Society of Ancient. <laughs> and Nick, what are you working on? Uh, bits and pieces, as usual. I've actually been doing some stuff for Reg the oh. last week, as well as Meg. Please don't so swear some... on the podcast. Keep it so... clean. <laughs> <laughs> so some 17th century Austrians, um, but also uh, progressing with my Kitans. So, nice. Uh... Well, I, I've actually been planning, not painting. I haven't painted for three weeks, but I'm, I'm planning bits and pieces that I need to paint to make each of the armies I've got more usable. So that's the phase I'm in now. I've decided that I'm selling lead at the moment, not buying it. And I'm and then I'm painting stuff to make what I've got more usable. There you go. That's what I'm doing. And I'm planning, oh, I'm planning my armies ready for the tournaments we've got coming up. So uh, it's all very exciting. It's very exciting to actually be planning something for the future. Right, okay, enough BS. Um, we've got, uh, obviously, tonight, uh, this, this podcast is about the chin and the, and no, the hand and the chin, or the chin and the hand, can't remember which order they're in, and we're going to do our history bit, and you'll all be glad to know it's not me leading that, obviously, because I don't even know what order they come in, and uh, when also, uh, we're then going to go through the list, and one of the reasons, only one of the reasons Pete's here, I mean, he's here because he's a good bloke, he's here because he probably know something about the history but we've really got him here because he's used one of these lists that we're going to uh, from one of these uh, armies that we're going to talk about tonight in anger to great success very great success and pete i know what i'm gonna it'd be embarrassing i've got the answer wrong is it the one that's also terracotta army painted is that the is that your figure? Yeah, painted as a terracotta army it is yeah I got yeah. that right. Good man. Good man. So yes, so it, it so it just it ticks every box as far as I'm concerned. An average player like Pete has won with it. Um can't believe he's not laughing. Uh, he, he's, <laughs> Cruel. I'm just taking the knife out of the back. <laughs> <laughs> he's painted it nicely. And uh did you take it to Brussels as well? Yes, yeah. So it's, I think it's, I came, even, it's even done an international trip, so... I have a fifth or six in Brussels, I think, I think it was. Yeah. It's done quite well. But done you well. won bad con last year. I, 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 I'm not going to steal any thunder from the podcast, but only this week someone said to me, the bloody thing should be illegal. <laughs> so, without further ado, let's crack on with the history. Who's leading it tonight, chaps? So, I'll lead the history tonight, Ray, and... <laughs> We'll start with the Qin because they come first. So we're we're in China. We're in the third century before Christ, and uh, at the start of the third century BC, 
then the Qin was one of the seven warring states. Um, so the Qin are the most uh, westerly of the seven warring states. And the, the other states were the Zhao, the Yan, the Qi, the Wei, the Han, and the Chu. Um, being the most westerly, it actually occupies the area south of the uh, loop in the uh, uh, Yang is it Yangtze or the Yellow River? One of those two. Um, yellow. The gorgeous loop. It's the Yellow River. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Um, and uh, so it was also the first Chinese state that came into contact with the uh, nomad tribes to the north. Mm. Um, but the, the Qin really only sort of comes to notice and differentiate itself under the rule of um, King Zheng. Uh, and he is the chap who in 221, after he conquers the other seven warring states or six warring states, um, and he actually declares himself as Emperor Qin Shi Huang, if I've got my Chinese pronunciation somewhat right. Um, and up until that point, the warring states rulers had declared themselves as kings, um, but they hadn't declared themselves as emperors. They didn't have the mandate from heaven uh, that you require to be emperor. Um, but Qin Shi Huang, he, he basically, first of all, in 230, BC, he takes the Han capital of Xinxing. Uh, in 228, the Zhao surrender to him. Uh, the Yan fell in 226. Um, the, the Wei city of Dailing, uh, now Kaifeng in China, that fell in 225. The Chu surrendered in 223, and the Qi surrender in 221. So in the course of a decade, he actually conquers the whole of what was then China, um, which in terms of modern China is essentially the northern half of modern China, if you exclude um, the Tarim Basin, exclude Tibet. Um, it's, it's the sort of northern half of China. Um, and uh, in, in the process, um, he sort of unifies China and... It's from the Qin that we get the word China, or at least that's believed. So a very, uh, after sort of whole centuries of warfare between these seven warring states, all of a sudden you get China unified un under this emperor. So um, having done that, of course, he then decides that isn't enough. And he launches attack on the... Um, Yu tribes, I, that, I have to confess that's the pronunciation I struggle with, Y-U-E, um, the Yu tribes in the south. Um, now, the south of China is very different to the north of China. Um, the south of China is very much uh, more mountainous and jungle. Um, and in this attack, um, the Qin lose many men in a uh, lot of jungle warfare, guerrilla warfare, um, not the sort of thing they fought in the north. And really, it's only by um, completing a canal that allows the uh, Qin Emperor to bring supply to all his troops from the north um, that uh, he actually succeeds in what is, in effect, a second. 
and actually conquers all the coastal lands around southern China. So that's the lands around uh, what's modern Canton and also um, the provinces of Fushu and Guilin. Um, so he really actually extends Chinese control as far south as Hanoi in what is modern north uh, Vietnam. So um, very sort of very decisive for Chinese history that extends China um, to the south as well. And meanwhile, in the north, uh, he actually leads an, uh, or gets his generals to lead an invasion of the order stream. So that's that's the loop in the Yellow River, uh, which is is very much a steppe and desert or semi-desert. Um, actually um, um, takes a whole load of uh, sort of prisoners and enforced uh, laborers and tries to settle the region. Uh, in fact, the Qin weren't able to actually hold that tree and it falls to, um, to the nomads. But, um, it's the first step China takes to sort of extending Chinese rule um, sort of north beyond the Great Wall of China line, um, which uh, is another important uh, influence of the Qin because the emperor was probably the first to take many of the smaller defending built up, up until that period and unify them into uh, what was to become the first great China. Um, these days, we don't actually know the exact course and the extent of um, there are actually, although we tend to talk about the Great Wall of China, there are actually quite a lot of different defensive walls that were built uh, right through the century, uh, from before the Qing period, right through until the Ming Dynasty. It's the Ming Dynasty wall that we know these days as the... Um, yeah, in 210 BC, um, the emperor actually dies. Um, during his later reign, he had been um, very much obsessed about immortality. And it was while he was chasing a elixir of eternal life that he actually died um, from disease. So uh, yes, proved not to be immortal. But of course, he then uh, is interred in his mausoleum, the uh, famous terracotta army, um, to protect him. In so that that's the chin. Um, after after he dies. Basically, his empire very quickly collapses. His um, successor is essentially a weak emperor and is dominated by two different um, ministers. And um, the emperor, empire basically comes into 18 different states. Um, out of the subsequent power struggle, um, a, a general called Li Bang, uh, he defeats uh, Zhang Yu at the Battle of Geisha in 202 BC, and he then assumes the title of Emperor Gaozhu, and it's from this empire that we get the dynasty known as Han. Uh, and he establishes a capital at Chang'an, uh, that's modern Jian, and uh, that capital forms the basis of the Western Empire, um, to differentiate itself in, in later centuries, the capital moves east, becomes the eastern Han. Um, I won't attempt to bore you with uh, a whole history of a Han dynasty because that will be far too long. But it is under the Han that um, the empire expands, uh, can, takes control of the Tarim Basin, um, extends the boundary south towards Tibet, Tibetan Plateau 
and extends to Vietnam. So that's your history of Chin and start of the hand. Thank you. So this, did the guy get, the, the, the Kin guy, Chin guy, get the mandate of heaven? Because by the end, you're calling him emperor. Yeah, he, he, he takes the title emperor in 221. So this is after he has conquered all six other warring states. So he's unified the seven warring states. And it's at that point he obviously feels that, um, justified the title and the mandate of heaven. Right. So it's a, it's very a, it's a sort of very significant moment. Up until that point, none of the warring states had felt strong enough for their rule to declare them for fear, I suspect, of having all other six warring states gang up. Them. Yeah, and it's a big deal. I mean, the mandate of heaven. I mean, I can't. I wish I could remember the the historian, but I saw, I saw a whole. TV series on on the, the history of the Chinese people and and when they lose that when a, when a when a dominant clan or whatever loses the mandate of heaven I mean it's a massive thing. Um, it, it, it's, it's effectively sorry uh, I was going to say it, it, it's a very interesting concept because the that bit when when the deemed to have lost the mandate of heaven it it effectively legitimizes rebellion so the whole yeah. concept sort of institutionalizes. The possibility of violent overthrow of a of a state. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the nearest Western equivalent, I suppose, is um, de- sort of declaring yourself a god or something like that. But it's it's a very different concept. It doesn't match directly into the the ideas of Western. When Trump um, lost the election, just, he uh, he he felt that you could have violence. So it's a bit like that. Yeah, I, I suppose the nearest equivalent was the idea in medieval kingdoms of um, the uh, divine right of rule. The rule, yeah. But uh, even then, it's not an exact. So that's the history. So, chaps, we're going to take a break now. <laughs> 